I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hello everybody and welcome back. Welcome back to another week. Welcome back to another episode. Welcome back to If I Didn't Laugh, I'd Cry. How are you all doing? How's it going? What have you been up to? What have you been thinking, feeling? What's been happening? Yeah, I am doing okay now, guys. I have not been very well. So I am so sorry that there was a week missed. I felt so sad. I felt so bad. I really was like, oh, let me just push through. Let me just record. And I remembered I'm just a human girl. I'm just a human girl. If you're not well, you're not well. I thought, you know what, Tawonga, you're shaking. I was feverish, shaking, sweating buckets in the night, freezing cold during the day. Had to go to Ernie at some point. Listen, I've been through it, but I'm here now. Um, so I'm sorry I missed an episode without explanation, but I'm explaining now. So forgive me, but here we are. Here we are. Um, I... I'm continuing on the journey that we've been on. So I hope that you guys can stick around, you know what I mean? And it's just me, so let's get into it. So like I said, I'm continuing on the journey that we've been on. Um, Tawonga, why do you believe what you believe? Why Seventh-day Adventist? Why Christianity? Why not Islam, Tawonga? Why don't you believe in Islam? And um, why aren't you a Muslim? You know what I mean? So today we're going to be discovering what um, they believe and why I don't believe in it. You know, um, I think I ought to do a little disclaimer as usual. These are my my reasons. You know what I mean? They don't have to be anybody else's reasons. These are my reasons. It's not to slay anybody's religion. But like I said, I serve the living God. If anything is different from that, I will speak my peace. I'll keep it cute. I'll keep it kosher. You get me. But I don't have to bow down to any God that's not my God. Do you know what I mean? I believe in the God of the Bible. So I don't have to bow down to anybody else's God. So that's what I want to say. But I'm going to keep it respectful. 
And whilst I was researching Islam, it dawned on me that it's a huge, huge religion. It's like, it's like huge. I don't know what else to say. You know what I mean? It is, it has got a lot of beliefs in it. You know, um, they claim to believe in the Quran, but then they also believe in this. They also believe in the Torah. They believe in Jesus, but Jesus is not God. It's, it's, it's quite a lot, I think, to dissect and to digest. Um, I don't think it's very straightforward. And I know that to somebody who is Muslim, it's a very straightforward religion. It's all easy peasy. Like I saw a a question that was asking about, you know, e evil and how evil was created. And they kind of quoted something from the Quran and the answer. Um, the, the first thing was basically, you don't get it because you don't have the wisdom to get it. And I was like, okay, so that's me then. <laughs> So I fall in that category. I don't have the wisdom to get this. Um, I think it's simple enough to understand, but I just think it's contradictory. I feel like it. I feel like what I think is how they feel about the Bible and Christianity. That there are many contradictions. So I get that. You know what I mean. And I would say the same. You don't understand the Bible. There are not contradictions. It may seem that way, but there are none because you don't get the context so i understand that and i respect it in that in that um regard um however it's just a massive it's a huge huge religion to really wrap your head around but following the same um theme that we're following every single episode we're going to be covering creation meaning of life day of worship origins of evil um, Jesus, heaven and hell and in that salvation as well and in that we'll also be covering you know death I, I like to know what happens exactly when we die or how they feel about it so without further adieu 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 to you and you and you let us find out about Islam Islam means to achieve peace, peace with God, peace within oneself and peace within the creations of God through wholly submitting oneself to God and accepting his guidance. Okay. Um, the, is, the term Islam derives from three letters, three letter Arabic root SLM, which generates words within interrated meeting meanings, including surrender, submission, commitment and peace. Commonly, Islam refers to the monotheistic religion revealed to muhammad son of abdullah between 610 and 632 of the common era okay what is the essence of islam prophet muhammad mentioned in a narrative mentioned in a narrative the best summary of the core of islam as follows submission means that you should bear witness that there is no god but god and that muhammad is god's messenger that you should perform the ritual prayer pay the alms tax fast during ramadan make and make the pilgrimage to the house if you're able to go there faith means that you have faith in god his angels his books his messengers and the last day and that you have faith in measuring out both its good and its evil Doing what is beautiful means that you should worship God as you see him. For even if you do not see him, he sees you. <laughs> Who is Allah? The Arabic word for, um, Allah literally means the God. Believers in Islam understand Allah to be the proper name for the creator as found in the Quran. The name Allah is anal analogous of 
to Ela, a Semitic term found in divine scriptures revealed to Muhammad predecessors Moses and Jesus. The use of the term Allah is not confined to believers in Islam alone. Arabic-speaking Christians and Jews also use Allah in reference to God, demonstrating thereby that followers of Islam, Christianity and Judaism believe in a common monotheistic creator, a fact that many people are surprised to learn. Even me. (laughs) Even me, because I don't agree. Just because some Christians say Allah doesn't mean that we believe in the same God. We don't. You know, I used to have a friend who is Muslim and she said to me, we believe in the same God. And I had to say respectfully. As I, when I say respectfully, we don't. We don't believe in the same God because our God teaches us different things. Teaches us different things. Okay, so anyway. Um, let's continue then. Let's go to Islam on creation. Okay, Islam on creation. Um, It is God who raised the skies without support, as you can see, then assumed his throne and enthralled the sun and the moon so that each runs to a predetermined course. He disposes of affairs distinctly, explaining every sign that you may be certain of the meeting with your Lord. Al- Alright, thirteen two. Pardon me for my mispronunciations. I'm just a girl, just a girl from Malawi. I even pronounce English wrong. So, the last of the Abrahamic Abrahamic religion following Judaism and Christianity, Islam considers the creation of the universe as ultimate proof of the existence of one Creator, who is that dim- dimension which makes other dimensions possible. He gives meaning to life. It gives meaning and life to everything. According to the teachings of Islam, Allah is the one and only God, the absolute creator of the universe, its components and its laws. Allah is the beginning and the end of all things, and this is the foundation for Islam's teachings. The Quran is the word of Allah as passed down to Muslims through the Prophet Muhammad, and the existence of the one version of the Quran Um, attest to the reverence in which Muslims hold it. For Muslims, the Quran containing the word of Allah provides irrefutable proof of his existence along with Quran. Nature provides another source of the proof of Allah's existence. This intimate relationship between the Quran and nature is shown in the phrase ayat, which refers to signs of Allah's existence in nature and also refers to the verses in the Quran. Okay. Um, let me just pause right there and just take a little breath. Um, I've had this argument a lot with Muslims to be like, oh, well, we, be, you know, our, our holy book, the Quran, is just one version. There aren't many versions. It hasn't been translated so many times. That's why it's reliable. Um, I feel like I can say I am going home in different ways and it's all going to mean I'm going home. You know what I mean? Um, the Bible has got different versions in terms of like this English of it. You've got the King James Version, which is basically like the Shakespearean type of English. And not everybody can comprehend Shakespearean type of English, you know. So they've 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 had they've they've like um, simplified it. 
and you get different simplified versions and other versions i've got commentary on it other versions you can click on especially if you're using your phone you can click on a certain bit where it tells you references in the bible of um, where you can find similar verses or where you can find the context of the story that you're reading so i think that's the confusion of like oh how can you trust in the bible it's so unreliable because it's got so many different versions yeah it's got different versions but for a reason but you don't have to read the different versions you know what i mean this is what i say to people if we believe in the living god he would be wise enough to maintain the essence of his word so it's not for man to be arguing with other men about the the um what's the word i'm looking for the credibility of the bible argue amongst yourselves but you're not going to argue away the living god you get what i'm saying it's you're wasting your breath the living god has got the first of all there was a period where they wanted to get rid of all Bibles and the burnt copies of the Bibles that they found. And the Bible was preserved. The word of God was preserved and then it was rewritten and redistributed. It doesn't mean that the essence of the word of God was lost because it wasn't. Am I making sense? So I think that's a famous argument of like, well, our Quran is more reliable because it's maintained the same versions. Good for you. But that doesn't mean anything to me. And I don't think it should mean anything to anybody. You know what I mean? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, right? And the earth was without form. And in another version, we say, in six days, God created the heavens and the earth. And in the beginning, God did so. It's saying the same thing. It's just different format. You get what I mean? And maybe another person will find the other version a little bit easier to understand. I tend to lean more to KJV and KJV because I feel like sometimes when it's been overly simplified, the essence, the oomph of what is being said can be lost, but it doesn't mean that the message is lost, but the oomph of, the, of it, you know what I mean? Um, but that's just my opinion. Let's carry on. In Islam, the world as man knows it begins and ends with Allah. Unlike Christianity and Judaism, the creation process is not described in detail, but referred to as starting point for Allah's power. The creation story in Islam is described in the Quran as the creation of the universe by Allah's will with a single command, B. Several verses in the Quran highlight Allah's power of creation creator of the heavens and the earth from nothingness he has only to say when he wills a thing be and it is our baccarat 2 117 and that is how god creates what he wills he decrees a thing he says be and it is al imran 3 verse 47 in this manner, Allah created the heavens and the earth, the sun and the moon and the rest of the universe. He created the plants and the animals and placed them on earth and he decreed upon them laws by which the nature, the natural order of all creation functions. The universe is an independent entity. It exists according to those laws and does not require divine intervention, yet it, it cannot warrant for its own existence and it cannot explain itself. Okay, um, man was created from clay and is thus part of nature, not separate from it. This relationship with nature materializes in Islamic living in several ways, the most significant and obvious being death. 
Muslim burials require the corpse to be washed, have all items removed and placed in the ground within three days for an easier return to the earth whence it came. I don't get it. Within Allah's universe, man was given a special place in Islamic teachings in contrast to those of Christianity. Man was not made in God's image. Rather, Allah distinguished man from his other creation by breathing his own spirit into man. This preferential treatment of God's creation gave man two privileges not made available to the rest of creation. One, freedom of choice, and two, specialized knowledge or creative knowledge. So, man, based on this concept, man is higher than angels. But angels are higher than man. <laughs> you get what I'm saying? Freedom of choice. If we are, have got freedom of choice and the other creatures don't, that, that means the other creatures give blind submission to God and they have no choice in the matter which means that we are better than them because we have got free thought. Specialized knowledge or creative knowledge. To me, this says that I am better than angels, but I know angels biblically are intelligent beings. The Bible says, for man was created a little lower than the angels. Okay? Anyway, freedom of choice allows man to evade, to the ability to make the decision whether or not to worship Allah and follow his will. Okay, so angels don't have that choice. So where does Satan, or as the Muslims say, Shaitan, where, is, where, is, where does he come from then? Because when I was reading up the origins of evil, it didn't really have a backstory of where he comes from necessarily. Like, even... Lol, 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 we'll get to it. I feel like I'm getting a bit ahead of myself, but it's not making sense already to me, right? Um, so that's man's, uh, the freedom of choice gives us that, which is unique from the other creations, quite other creations, okay? The universe, as described before, is governed by the laws decreed for it by Allah and has therefore been submission to Allah since creation. Man, however, was given the ability to think, rationalize, and argue the presence of creator and then decide whether or not to submit to him. Um, okay, creative knowledge was first displayed according to the teachings of Islam when the, after the angels questioned Allah as to why he had created man in form of Adam. Allah challenged the angels and Adam to name objects. The angels were unable to bestow names upon things, whereas Adam could giving him superior, superiority over those that he had named and demonstrating his creator's power. Interesting. Let's go to why Adam named the animals, you know what I mean, in the Bible. Let's just go to biblical teachings of why X exists or why X is the way it is. So let us go to Genesis. Let us go to Genesis chapter 2. Um, and I'm going to start reading from verse 18 it says and the lord god said it is not good that man should be alone i will make him a helper comparable to him and out of the ground the lord god formed every beast of the field and every bird in the air and brought them to adam to see what he would call them and whatever adam called each living creature that 
was its name. So Adam gave names to all cattle, to all the birds in the air, to all the beasts of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper comparable to him. It, it, it's just interesting. I feel like it's it's so irrelevant as opposed to my beliefs, but it's just interesting the little differences of, you know, angels challenged God, why this? You know, why have you made man like that? And God's like, well, both of you, go on, name name these things and give it give it names. And the angels are like, uh, because they're robots. They're robots. They don't have thoughts. They don't, they can't think for themselves. Their purpose is to worship God. But then that's what I'm saying. Put a pin in that because we're going to get to Satan. We're going to get to Satan and I feel like it's a head scratcher of like, okay, so what makes him different then? What makes Satan different for him to think this way? <laughs> you know what I mean? So that's basically the gist of creation. I will agree with Islam on the world, the, the earth as it is, can't be explained by chance. You can't explain it to be like, it just exists just because. It exists because there's a creator. That much I agree that much i definitely agree um let's move on okay meaning of life so this is what i find on the meaning of life i found the pillars of faith of islam in islam there are six pillars of faith belief in allah his angels his books to mankind his prophets and messengers the day of judgment and destiny belief in god islam teaches that there is one unique god allah who should be worshipped and obeyed. Belief in Mal'aka, angels. Muslims believe that Allah created unseen creatures such as angels. Muslims believe in their existence, their names, their tasks and description, descriptions as explained in the Quran and in the Sunnah. Belief in the books of Allah. Muslims believe that Allah from time to time revealed books to mankind through his prophets. These books originated from the same divine source. They are all divine revelations. Muslims believe in the original text of these books when they were revealed. The five prominent divine books are Abraham's scrolls, Zabul or Psalms revealed to prophet David, Torah revealed to prophet Moses, Angel, gospel revealed to prophet Jesus, Quran revealed to prophet Muhammad. Belief in the prophets of Allah. Muslims believe that Allah sent prophets to all mankind as messengers for their guidance. Muslims believe in their existence, their names, their messages, as Allah and his prophets informed about them. Prophets are void of divinity because divinity is exclusive only to Allah the Almighty. They are all righteous, truthful, and pious men chosen by Allah to be models to all mankind, both their words and deeds being in accordance with the divine commandments. Belief in Yawm al-Qiyamah, Day of Judgment. Muslims believe that the life of this world and all that is in it will come to an end on one appointed day, when everything will be annihilated. This day will resurrect all the dead. Allah will judge with perfect justice each person um, individually according to his good or bad actions that he did during his life and every victim will have his slash her rights Allah will reward those who lead a righteous life and did good deeds by sending them to paradise also known as Jannah Allah forgives whom he pleases 
of those who disobeyed his command or punished them in the hellfire, Jahannam. Kedar al Kedar, Destiny Divine Decree. Muslims believe that since the whole universe is entirely under the direction and control of Allah, then everything that is or that happens in this universe from the smallest to the greatest event is governed by Allah. Muslims put their trust in Allah only. They are required, however, to make a sincere effort to strive to do their best and not simply sit back and let things take their course in blind resignation. Such beliefs such belief gives a person a tremendous degree of inner certainty, confidence, and inner and peace of heart, especially in the face of afflictions. Moreover, he lives with assurance that whatever is to come to any individual, including death, cannot fail to come at its appointed time. That's all interesting, isn't it? It's all interesting. It's it's about believing in God, believing in the angels. I mean, they basically summarized it. Believe in God, his angels, the books of mankind, his prophets, his messengers, and the day of judgment and destiny. Like, if you don't believe in these things, then what? You know, in, in contrast to Christianity, Christianity teaches you to have faith in God. That That is the pillar of the faith, is have faith in God. Believe. Go to Hebrews chapter 11. <clears throat> Hebrews chapter 11. You know, I feel like Hebrews generally, I think the whole Bible is all faith-based anyway. But that's basically it. Faith, hope, and love. You know what I mean? And the greatest that we can do to one another is love. But you, you, you do that out of faith. Again, everything is faith-based. Um, but... It's it's interesting their meaning of life or what, what life is all about, you know. They believe basically in predestination. So from what I'm understanding, if you believe in well it's if you believe in all of these things and you make up your mind that you believe in Allah and you accept Allah as the true God and you accept all these uh, pillars of faith and your life, basically, you can't stop anything. No, your de- decisions that you make in life really don't account for much because life is traveling the way it travels. You know what I mean? Um, but there is a story in the Bible of a guy who was going to die. His name is uh, Zachariah, I think, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and my guy was gonna die and he asked God to prolong his life and his life was prolonged you know what I mean Um, the fifth commandment is honor your father and your mother so your days may be long and this is the only commandment with promise so it's like it's like to me I don't believe in predestination like that I believe that our choices like the fifth commandment is saying honor your father and mother so that the day your days may be long I feel like my choices not to honor my father and my mother could make my days shorter you know what I mean the decisions we do in life if I make choices to be around dangerous people death will surely come to me far for me faster it's not divine providence or divine um, you know divine design that I should die I should perish at such a time I'm making decisions and choices that are putting me in such a in such a position if I get myself involved in gangs and trafficking and these dangerous things you best believe I'm walking around with a massive shadow behind me 
carrying my coffin. But if I'm making good choices and good decisions, surely, surely my days will be long. You know what I mean? Um, but that's just me speaking based on just my, um, I suppose, interpretation. But the fifth commandment, that's not my interpretation. That's the Bible. Honor your father and your mother so that your days may belong. I feel like, I feel like Islam so far, Islam is a, I would say a meteor, solid religion. But again, it's one of those lifestyle religions again. You know what I mean? To me, there's no difference in it than the other religions based on if you just do this, everything's going to be good. If you just do this, everything's cool, you know, because there is nobody that stands between man and God. There is nobody that came to save man from their sins. So it's again all about you. You will determine what happens to you. You know what I mean? Even though from what, what I've read from everything is, oh, God is the just God. He's the one who decides what happens to humans, rah, rah, rah. But from what I'm reading here is you must believe in the you must believe in the prophets, the messengers of God. You must believe in Allah. You must believe in the angels. You must believe in the job judgment. If you do all these things and you practice these things, why wouldn't you go to Jannah? Why wouldn't you go to heaven? Why would you go to Jahanna? I think I'm saying it right. You know what I mean? I'm feeling a little bit. I'm feeling a little bit spicy. Jahannam. <laughs> Why wouldn't you go to Jannah? Why would it, why would you go to Jahannam? You know what I mean? If you are believing in all of this, I think that's why they have written. Um, they have written to Muslims put their trust in Allah only. They are required, however, to make sincere effort to strive and to do their best, and not simply sit back and let things take their course in blind resignation. You know what I mean? I think that's why they have put that because that's probably a common thing of I believe in God. I believe in the angels. I believe in this life's good. You know what I mean? The Bible tells us that there is absolutely nothing you can do in your power that can even help you find favor in God's like, There's nothing less you boast. You know, if it was all about works, we would be boasting left and right. I've already mentioned this. You know, so salvation belongs to God and God alone. And I know that Islam says that, but actually this is also telling you it's you for your own efforts. Whereas to us, to, to, to Christianity is salvation belongs to Jesus. He came to save us. He is our savior. Jesus himself says, nobody can go through the father except through me. And that, to me, gives me more comfort knowing there is a high priest, knowing there is an intercessor, knowing there is one who stands between me and the throne of God who understands the life I walk, the things that I experience, and who says, hold on. I know her. Hold on. I know these people. I died for these people. My heart is attached to theirs. Everything that they struggle with, I experience that. Hold on. And I'm not talking about sin for things. I'm talking about the temptation of sin. Jesus experienced temptation. He just never gave in. And that's, that gives me comfort. 
And that's how I know that it's not through my own efforts. It's not a checklist of you must believe in the angels. Even if I didn't believe in angels, I don't, I, it doesn't matter. I, the salvation still belongs to Jesus. Am I making sense? Because the angels are not ones that we should be worshipping. And I know this because in the book of Revelation, when John goes to prostrate himself to worship an angel, he goes, see that you do not do that. I am just a fellow servant. I'm just like you. You know what I mean? So they're humble beings, but they are they have got free will as well. So already, already we have differed. Angels were created without free will. The Bible describes angels as having free will and very, very intelligent beings. Okay, they obey because they want to obey, because they choose God, because they see God's justice, right? They're not robots who can't even name things. It's just that task wasn't given to them. You know what I mean? <laughs> it wasn't their task to do. It was given to Adam because Adam, God created a companion comparable to him, but it wasn't found in the animals. Thus, he continued creating and he created Eve. But anyway, let's continue. Islam and the day of worship. Okay, so their day of worship. We know that with Christianity, you've got Sunday. And with Seventh-day Adventists, we worship on the seventh day. The clues in the name. But with Islam, the day of worship, it says, Friday is a very important day for Muslims. It is more significant and more beneficial than any other day of the week. It is the day that Muslims gather together to pray in congregation. Directly before their prayer, they listen to a lecture designed to empower them with valuable knowledge about God. And the religion of Islam is a blessed day that has been designated as such by God Almighty. No other day of the week shares its virtues. Okay. Um, a believer's entire life is one of worship. Even celebrations are conducted as worship. While there is no special place or special time to worship God, there are moments, days, or times that God has made more superior. Friday is one of those days, one of those times. From the traditions of Prophet Muhammad, um, we learned that the best day in the sight of God is Friday, the day of the day of congregation, congregational prayers, obligatory for men are one of the most strong emphasized duties in Islam. It is a time when Muslims comes to comes together to worship one God and find strength and comfort by standing shoulder to shoulder and reaffirming their faith and devote, devotion to him. All you who believe, when the call to prayer is pro proclaimed on Friday, hasten earnestly to the remembrance of God and leave aside business. That is best for you if you, if you but knew. Quran 62 verse 9. Okay. Um, in many predominantly Muslim countries, Friday is the weekly holiday, sometimes combined with either Thursday or Saturday. However, there is no mandatory closing of businesses except during the time of congregational prayer. In Western countries, many Muslims try to take their lunch break during the time of prayer, usually in the very early afternoon. Okay. Um... This is interesting. This is interesting. Friday is also the day in which the greatest verses in the Quran was re revealed. This day, I have perfected your religion for you, completed my favor upon you, and have chosen Islam as your religion. Um, so 
it seems like congregational like prayers and meeting is more aimed at men than it is uh, at women and men. You know, um, Friday is a very special day. Um, it is important that a Muslim not neglect Friday prayer due to work, study or other worldly matters. Believers should make attending this prayer a priority since ignoring it three times in a row with no valid reason will cause a believer to stray from the straight path. While it is only men who are obligated to attend the Friday congregational prayer, there are also many recommended acts that can be performed by men, women, or children during this day. These acts include taking a bath and wearing clean clothes, saying numerous supplications to God, sending blessings upon Prophet Muhammad, and reading chapter 18 of the Quran, which is entitled The Cave. Um, it's interesting because then that means that salvation belongs more to the men because the men have more of an understanding and are taught more. <laughs> or from what I'm understanding, men go to congregational prayers, go to mosque to learn on Fridays and they listen to these lectures and they go home and teach their wives or their daughters. I'm not understanding too much. You understand me. It seems a little bit imbalanced and a little bit, you know, um, something that I just won't understand. I suppose the only time I'd understand is to actually talk to a Muslim. Um, but from what I've experienced in trying to talk to a Muslim regarding their faith, it's a lot of um, ums. Because when they don't understand something, they go, oh, I need to speak to my imam about that or I need to do this about that. It's like, why don't you just open the Quran and read? You know what I mean? When I don't understand something, I would easily say, you know, I need to read more about that. I need to read more in the Bible about that. I don't really depend on priests um, or pastors in my church or elders in my church to tell me what the Bible says because I must be of the understanding of the Bible as well. I must seek wisdom from above. So it's just something that I have found, but I just find it a little bit peculiar that, you know, congregational prayers are exclusive for men and, you know, something like bathing is holy when it comes to children or and putting on nice clothes when it comes to children and and women. Um I would I would think that if salvation is for everybody, then prayers and congregational prayers should be for everybody. I know that Muslims are really big when it comes to culture and customs of men and women not mingling and mixing with each other. I know all of that, but this is about God. This is about the word of God. This is about being learned when it comes to God. So I, I just find that a little bit interesting and peculiar at that. Um, the Bible says that there is neither Greek nor Jew nor male nor female. Basically, there is nobody that is different when it comes to Jesus Christ. We're all one in Christ, which means anybody can freely read the word of God. Anybody can freely seek God. Anybody can go to the house of God and to worship God. There is no difference in you and me. There is no one that's got more of an, an upper hand. There is no one who should hear the word of God more than the other. A child is just as deserving to learn about God the way an adult is. A woman is just as deserving the way a man is. But maybe there's a reason why this is. But I just know I don't agree with it. 
I think that for us to be free thinking creatures, as they have described, we must all learn at the same level when it comes to godly matters. Let me make up my own mind for real. I don't want somebody to come to me and regurgitate what they have learned. I don't want an imam to, to for me to seek an imam for him to tell me what the Quran means because I don't know how to read it in the prescribed language. I want to be able to read the word of God and to seek God and to ask God for the wisdom to know what this means so that none can deceive me. That's what I would like to do. And that's what the Bible teaches. <laughs> Islam and the origin of evil. The Quran teaches that evil originates from the refusal of Shaitan, Satan slash the devil to bow down to Adam when ordered by Allah. Shaitan is also called Iblis or Iblis for his disobedience. Iblis was cast out of heaven by Allah. He vowed that in revenge he would spend eternity trying to tempt humans to do evil. Allah said, oh, Iblis, what is your reason for not being among those who prostrated themselves? Iblis said, I am not one to prostrate myself to man, whom thou didst create from sounding clay, from mud molded into shape. Allah said, then get thee out of here, for thou art rejected and accursed, and the curse shall be on thee till the day of judgment. This is taken from Quran 15 verse 28. What does Islam teach about evil and suffering? Evil Islam teaches that... Let me stop right there, actually. Do you see what I mean now? If humans were the ones who were created with free thoughts and a free will to think, and angels weren't really, how do we explain this then? How do we explain the disobedience of Satan? Am I making sense? How do we explain that? Because it doesn't make any sense to me. And why would God require angels to bow down to Adam, yet require humans to believe in angels? If I, I don't know. Am I making sense here? Am I making sense or am I just chatting once? If humans are smarter, the, the very fact that we have got free will and angels don't, immediately we are better than them. No one can tell me otherwise. If, I'm a, if I command my laptop to do something, I am higher than this laptop. If I am the one who's telling a robot to do something and um, carry out a command, I am better than that robot because that robot doesn't have the thoughts to say, no, I'm tired, I don't want to do that, or can I do that later? It doesn't have the three free thought that I have. So if humans were created like this and the angels weren't and the humans have got basically power over the things that they named and the angels couldn't name a single thing, then how and why is the pillar of faith in Islam, why is one of them, I have to believe in the angels? The angels should believe in me. <laughs> why, why do I have to believe in something that is giving blind disobedience? But then again, it did say that they've got different functions. And this is not something that I'm going to look into because I'm not interested necessarily. But already just on face value it doesn't make sense i feel like even 
at face value, it has to make sense. Again, if I compare it to the Bible, humans were created lower than the angels, but both humans and the angels were created with free will. Every single created being in God's universe, the Bible God, is created with free will. You don't have to obey God if you don't want to, because that would be blind obedience. That's basically, you would be so afraid to go against what God is saying because you you don't have the mind to even question why do I believe what I believe? But then that's why Satan disobeyed God and he convinced other angels to disobey God. And the Bible says he drew a third of the stars from heaven. They fell, that these angels fell from heaven with him. And that's why us as humans, you get so many people. That's why we get different religions because we have got the free will to believe whatever we want to believe. If you want to believe the tree is your God, go and worship that God. If you want to believe in the sun God, you believe in the sun God. If you want to believe in Allah, you believe in Allah. But it won't change the fact that there is a living God who is the God of all gods and there is nothing any of us can do about it, right? But it's your choice. So why would the Muslim, the, the, the Muslim God not give free will to its creatures, but only humans. Yet we find Satan saying, I won't bow down. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to use my own brain and I'm not going to do that. Um, and you know what? I am going to spend every living waking day trying to get humans to do evil. But then I think I read somewhere that said, well, maybe it's this. Um, Islam teaches that a knowledge of right and wrong is an essential part of human nature. Muslims teach that Muslims teaching say that individuals should know without having to be informed which actions are, are evil and will contribute to the suffering of others and which actions are good. This inner sense of right and wrong is called fitra. Muslims believe that all beings are born with this sense of instinct to live according to the laws of Allah. And this is taken from the last sermon, a farewell speech from um, Prophet Muhammad. Um, and Prophet Muhammad warned Muslims about Shaitan. Beware of Shaitan. He is desperate to divert you from the worship of Allah. So beware of him in matters of religion. It's interesting. It's interesting. So it also says, we all know that Allah in pure goodness and no evil is pure goodness and no evil exists in him. Did God create evil? The answer is both yes and no. God created certain things that are evil on the outside, but God is in the inside. He created diseases, pain, floods, earthquakes, Satan, and even death. However, God wants to test us with what is good and evil in this world. And then it says, every soul shall taste and we shall test you with good and ill by the way, by way of test. And to us, you will bring you, every soul shall taste death and we will test you with good and ill by way of test. And to us, you will be brought back. Furthermore, Many things that we perceive as evil are actually for our own good. For example, pain is a bad thing, right? It makes us uncomfortable and we absolutely do not like it. 
But did you know that it has been scientifically proven that pain is good because it gives us the message that something in our body is not working properly and we must fix it? Besides, now, this is, this is a strange, strange, strange mindset. It's a strange mindset. Um, there's a there's a version there's a verse in the bible where paul is saying i will glory in my affirmities because you know when i am weak then i am strong basically saying that i trust in you god a lot more when i am basically going through these things and that's just to simplify it but let me go and read it this is taken from second corinthians 12 um, and it's, I'm going to read from verse um, 7. And this is when Paul is asking God to remove a thorn from his flesh, right? Um, let me just read, yeah, 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 from verse 7. Unless I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelation, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger, set, say, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in your weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I would rather boast in my affirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in affirmities, in reproaches, in need, in persecutions, in distress for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. It's a strange mindset to say that pain is good. It's not. And Paul isn't even saying that pain is good. It is not saying that. It's not to say, oh, thank God for pain because it's brought my attention that something is wrong in my body. Well, why is there something wrong in your body in the first place? Because of sin. Why would we rejoice in that? What Paul is saying basically here is when, when I am going through these things, I, I rejoice because the power of Christ rests upon me. It's, it's almost as if your strength, your, your faith strengthens because Christ is the one who carries you through. Nothing to do with that. You, I am fully aware my body is decay, decaying. You get what I'm saying? But what he's saying that when I am weak, then I am strong. It's like I trust, I put my faith, I put my strength, I put everything in Christ when I am going through these things. It's a reminder of you are immortal. You are nothing in yourself. You are nothing without without Christ, which is basically what Paul is saying. And this is what Jesus said to Paul. My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in your weakness. Yo, you don't wake up and feel aches and pains and say, I am God, I know there's something wrong in my body, so this is a positive thing. Because what you go to the doctor and they pump you with pills now, what? But what Paul is saying, or what Jesus was saying, is my grace is made sufficient. I, my grace is what pushes you through. My grace is what makes you carry on from day to day. When you trust in me, that's my grace. When your strength stops, my strength begins in you. And that's when Paul responds to, well, I will, I will rejoice then. I will take pleasure in my affirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions. When people are persecuting me, I will take pleasure in that, actually. It's a privilege. It's an honor, okay, for Christ's sake. It's never about you and me. It's all about Christ's sake. It's all about the glory of God. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Yo, yo, yo. This is what I mean is 
this is a meteor religion, sure, but it's it's to me there's no difference in it. It's a lifestyle, it's a feel-good one, it's a it's a it's a scarier one if it makes sense, because there is this big God, this big Allah, and you know, there is this there's punishment, there's rewards, there's all those things. But then when you really look at, deeper into it, it's a human-based religion. It's a human-based religion. You can quote me on that. When you really dig deep into it, it's a human-based religion. It's about your you. You know what I mean? Um, so let me continue. Um, because it gives some of the, the, the we must fix it. Besides, how do we fix things? Anyway, how can we fix things in our bodies if Christ has not willed it? Anyway, besides narration, narration, narration state that pain and disease erase the sin of believers, especially labor pain, which cleanses all sin of a mother. Where? How? How can it? This is labor pain is something that was decreed in the beginning as punishment for the woman. For being to for for giving into it. That's why a woman can have a child, one, five kids, she'll experience labor pain with all five kids. Hmm. Therefore, evil is a relative matter in the sense that the way we see it is important sometimes. It is a blessing in disguise. At the end of the day, God is the creator of everything, and that includes good and evil, and the potential of something to be. Evil is his creation. Satan enjoins evil in the Quran. On the other hand, Satan's man's sworn enemy enjoins, I don't know if that's meant to say enjoys, but I don't know, um, enjoins or enjoins, enjoins, like joins, okay, I think, mankind to sin and tendency. Satan frightens you of poverty and prompts you to commit indecent acts, but Allah promises you his forgiveness and bounty, and Allah is all bounteous, all-knowing. Therefore, God wants all mankind to be guided on a straight path and does not want them to become evil. Satan, however, wants to pervert as many people as he can and take his vengeance on the human race. Nevertheless, one cannot say that Satan is the creator of evil, as some religions say, but rather he leads people to evil by depriving them of good at the end of the day people have free will and are not forced to give into temptations of satan it's interesting it's an interest it's a very interesting concept and this is why i'm saying like i i personally don't understand it it's a very interesting concept so satan swears i will make it my life mission to basically cause harm to humans to make man fall i will i will do that right and they also believe in the story of adam and eve sinning right allowing satan to tempt them where they made the decision to sin cool i get that right humans make the decision but there is somebody answerable to that there is somebody who causes humans to be tempted whereby they give into the temptation and sin without this individual that sin aspect the sin component wouldn't be there Okay, so then, what shall we say? He vowed in revenge he would spend eternity try to tempt humans to do evil, right? Then Allah questions, like, why have you done this to yourself? And is that because I don't prostate myself to man, right? So then, I know that they've said that God created Satan, 
which means God created the evil with it. And they do admit that God created evil. He created diseases. And it's the, the purpose is to test us. That's an evil God. Everything that people say the Christian God is, that's the Muslim God. He created diseases, so cancer in adults, cancer in kids. God created that, but you know, sometimes it's a good thing. Um, he created uh, pain because, you know, pain is a good thing, you know, at times because it brings our attention that something is wrong in the body, that we need to fix it. He created floods, earthquakes. He created Satan and death. He created all of those things to test us. I don't understand why. Why would he need to test us? Why would he need to create Satan and create all the evils along with it to test us when we were given the, such a great position of naming all these things and we were created cleverer and a little bit smarter than the angels because they couldn't even name things and therefore we basically own the things that are on this earth according to what they say. Why? My question is why? Why would that be the case? Because I know based on the Bible, when man made the decision to eat of the fruit that they were commanded not to eat, the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil, it says their eyes were open and they realized they were naked. They realized that now they were without the protection of God. Now they, that's when everything came. That's when evil really existed now. Satan, without a host, without people to tempt, is nothing, is a nobody. You know what I mean? So if Adam and Eve had resisted, they would not have been out of um, favor with God, if that makes sense. Satan will have nothing else to do, right? But because we allowed this, now evil entered. Our body started decaying. Everything started going wrong. Death, the, the promise that God said, for the day you eat of it, you will surely die. It's not to say, oh, by the way, I created death. Is Whatever it is that I'm telling you not to do comes with death. It comes with that. You can't live and choose that life. You can't choose evil because the things that come with evil is just pure wickedness. You will surely die. Every choice that you make that is evil will lead to death. This choice that you're making, if you make this choice, it will lead to your promised demise. And so it was. And so it is. Okay. But God did not say, let there be light, let there be cancer, because then that means that he did not create a perfect world. You know what I mean? But then Islam also describes as Allah, he, he, everything he does is perfect. Everything he did was divine and perfect. Diseases aren't perfect. Pain isn't perfect. Evil is not perfect. So that is a confusing concept. Again, if I'm just answering the question as why I don't believe in Islam, this is something that would put that nail, it like, go, go, go. This is why it's confusing. I'm confused. Why? 
Why would he create diseases? I've, I used to ask this question to, to do with my Bible, God. You know what I mean? Before I understood if God is real, then why do bad things happen? I've been asked this question so many times. If God is real, then why do kids get cancer? If God is real, then why are there so, is there so much suffering in the world? Why can't God just stop it? And then you get the contrast on the opposite side. The Islam God is saying, yeah, God created diseases and all this calamity. God created all of it. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it's for your own good. It's to test you. It's to test you. It's to just test you to see your allegiance, to see your obedience. It's all right. It's just for testing. And if you can stand, then you've passed the test. What kind of God? 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You know, that's sad. That's sad and that's confusing, but that has made me sad because that, to me, I would think all of this, my child has got leukemia to test me, to test me for I believe in the six pillars of faith, to test if I, I love you, Allah. And I read somewhere, I was reading somewhere when I was doing research, it was saying that um, people only believe what Allah says, like, um... I can't remember what it was saying necessarily, but it was something along the lines of when Allah blesses people, people tend to fall away, tend to forget Allah. But when now people are going through problems, they tend to forget that they can cry out to Allah. Personally, if this was the type of God that I was told to believe in, to be like, yo, this is a all-powerful, all-knowing God, you know, like pay homage to him, you know, obey him. And I knew that he created all these things that make this world a unbearable place to live. I don't know if I would be inclined to cry out to him to help me. I can see why people become atheists when it comes to this concept. This is the idea that they have of a Christian God. Now reading it with different eyes about Allah, it has made me go. I can see why people would say I, do, I wouldn't want to be involved with that. It's a misconception when it comes to Christianity. But with Islam, it's right there in black and white. Again, I'm going to put everything that I have read. If, I haven't, if I've got this wrong, then forgive me. But this is what it says. Every soul shall taste death and we will test you with good and ill by way of test. And to us, you will be brought back. This is taken from one of the divine 
books. Wow. Oh, that has depressed me. That has depressed me. So let's move on. What does Islam believe when it comes to Jesus? I'm going to read you 10 things you might not know about Jesus in Islam. Jesus in Islam. Many people are surprised to learn that Muslims believe in Jesus. One who reads the Quran will quickly realize that it does not only speak of who Jesus was, it also teaches who he wasn't. The Quran is a confirmation of the scriptures revealed to previous prophets. This article will highlight 10 things you may have not known about Jesus. And this is taken from whyislam.org. Number one, Jesus is one of the greatest prophets and messengers in Islam. Muslims believe in Jesus, not as the son of God, but as one of the God's greatest prophets and messengers. He is part of the chain of prophets such as Abraham, Noah, David, Moses, and Muhammad. Two, Jesus was born miraculously without a father. In chapter 19 of the Quran, it records the birth of Jesus. He was born to the Virgin Mary without a father. His miraculous birth was not a sign of divinity, but evidence of the, his unique status as one of God's greatest prophets. <laughs> it's like trying to deny a fact so bad that you will create any, you will spin any web you know what i mean this is just interesting it's it's not possible it's not possible for a mere man to be born with just a mother it's not scientifically possible it's not biblically possible because god created a man and a woman to go forth and multiply we need the man stuff and the woman stuff to create kids you get what i'm saying it's not possible for this to happen not possible but in itself it's not okay the quran compares the birth of jesus to the creation of adam in god's eyes jesus is just like adam he created him from dust said to said to him be and he was adam was created with no parents but remains a prophet similarly for muslim jesus's birth without a father is not indicate indication of his divinity they really want to explain that away. I think there's a difference in something being fashioned from, you know, from dust and being created and uh, and the breath of life being breathed into him. You don't you and you do have a father. You've got a creator. You know what I mean? But from that comes everything that God said. And for Adam and Eve to create children, they needed each other. God gave them a command, be fruitful and multiply. You know what I mean? And that's, that's the mother-parent-child relationship basically started. But it started with Adam and Eve because their creator was God. They have a creator. That story is not hard to comprehend. But with Jesus, it's so, now we have gotten this. Throughout the years, people have been sleeping with each other in order to create babies and suddenly a mirac miraculous birth comes out of nowhere, but it doesn't demonstrate divinity. Are we sick? 
if I was to go to the hospital and they were to say, Tawonga, you are pregnant and I knew no man and nothing sinister ever happened to me, like the story of Jane the Virgin, nothing ever happened to me, right? And and there was only 24 chromosomes. Is it 24 chromosomes? Whatever. Only one half of the DNA of chromosomes were found from the mother's side. That is not div divine. Anyway. I think this is just um, an interesting way of just explaining God. The, the living God. And I think it's a way of minimizing their own God. Um, I think to really explain away Jesus's birth and to, to explain away Jesus being the son of God. I, I, I think in indirectly, you don't even realize it, but you're minimizing your God. You're saying this is impossible for our God. It's not possible. That's what you're saying, you know, but it's just one of the greatest prophets. Then why Jesus? How come you lot hold Jesus with such high regard? Yet, Muhammad is the greatest prophet because he's the one that gave you guys the Quran and really gave you guys the religion, so to speak. It's just an interesting observation. Um, when Jesus was born, the people at the time accused his mother Mary of committing fornication. In order to save her from such an accusation, the Quran explains in several places that Jesus spoke in the cradle. She pointed at him. They said, um, how can... How can we speak with an infant? He said, I am indeed a servant of Allah. He has given me revelation and made me a prophet. <laughs> this is more believable than just believing that Jesus is the son of God. And furthermore, if he could speak in the cradle, that's impossible in itself. Wouldn't you then believe that this is a special kid? This is the son of God. I don't know. I don't know. I'm just asking questions as they come in it because it's not making sense. It's not making sense. Um, if I could just pause there, let's just go to the story of Jesus and his birth. Let's go to Luke. Let's go to Luke. Now I'm reading from verse one from Sorry, from chapter 1, verse 26. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent to God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was then the angel said to her do not be afraid mary for you have found favor with god and behold you will conceive in you will conceive in your womb and bring bring forth a son and you shall call his name jesus he will be great and will be called the son of the highest and the lord god will give him the throne of his father david i feel like if i just just stop right there already it's making more sense to the naked ear, this, all these stories in the Bible are unbelievable, but so is yours and my life. So is half the things that happen to us on a day-to-day. -day. It's just unbelievable stuff. It's a series of, of unbelievable events. I have heard stories at work of excuses of why somebody couldn't come into work. I don't believe it, right? But it's real. It doesn't make it any less real. Do you know what I mean? But one thing that this does is make sense. 
Jesus had a purpose and the purpose was not, not to just be a greatest prophet of all time. In fact, Jesus gives that homage to John the Baptist and calls John the Baptist the greatest prophet of all time, right? But that wasn't Jesus's purpose. And Jesus's purpose wasn't to be a prophet necessarily. Jesus's purpose was prophesied for, was to be the savior of the world, and if you do believe in the Torah, the Torah is basically riddled with the prophecies of the coming Messiah. Why would you believe in something that is written about the same one you are saying, no, he's not the son of God? Isn't that a little bit crazy? Isn't that just a little bit strange? Wouldn't one question it? Unless, of course, the Torah that you said has remained intact and the, the, the divine books that you believe in that have remained intact aren't intact you know what i'm saying let me read you a little something let me read you from um let me read you from revelation and i'm gonna read you from revelation um chapter one and i'm gonna read you in several places actually of revelation but i'm gonna start in chapter one verse nine i john both your brother and companion in the tribulation and kingdom and patience of jesus christ was on the island that is called patmos for the word of god um and for the testimony of Jesus, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day, on the Sabbath. And I heard behind me a loud voice of it as a trumpet saying, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. This is what Allah, they say about Allah, that he's the, um, the first and the last, you know. And then in Revelation chapter 1, verse 18, he says, um, well, Revelation from 17, he starts again, he says, And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead, and he laid his right hand on me. This is talking about Jesus, having the vision of Jesus. And Jesus says to him again, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am he who lives and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. For those Muslims who say that Jesus never professed to say, I am God, worship me. If you go to the book of Revelation, you will see in red writings, Jesus saying, I am the first and the last. He's saying, I am God. The same things that Allah says that you guys say about Allah, about Allah being the first and the last, the beginning and the end, whatever you say. Jesus says that about himself. Whom can argue against that? Anyway. Let's continue. Revelation chapter 22, he says this again, okay? He says once again in chapter 22, verse 13, I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Jesus is proclaiming himself over and over to be God. He's saying there is none like me. There is no other coming. I am the one who was dead, okay, and now lives, and I am alive forevermore, amen, it's done, it is finished, and I have the keys of Hades and death, for anybody who claims that Jesus is not God, explain that, explain why Allah is the only God, the first and the last, and in red writings, with red letters, we have got Jesus unequivocally claiming to be God, hmm, but even in the Gospels, he claimed that. But then where it says that, you know, this doesn't prove Jesus' de de divinity, prophets can't be divine and all these things. There are witness accounts. There are witnesses who have written basically the same thing of this Jesus. But we are saying those stories don't mean anything, but we are going to believe 
Muhammad, who did not witness anything to do with God. In fact, if you believe in the Gospels, it means that you believe in the witness account of Jesus. But then you say, no, he's not who they say he is. Jesus is not who he says he is. How bizarre. Anyway, Jesus speaks in a cradle. Anyway, and four, there is an entire chapter in the Quran named after Mary. Mary, Miriam in Arabic, I think I'm saying that right, is the only woman mentioned in the Quran by name. Not only that, but she is the only woman who has had an entire chapter named after her. Her story is mentioned throughout the Quran, but chapter 19 highlights her, her giving birth miraculously to Jesus. The Quran refers to Jesus as the son of Mary as the way of honoring her. Okay, Jesus performed miracles. The Quran, similar to the New Testament, highlights the many miracles Jesus performed. For example, he created birds from clay and blew into them, um, giving them life. I've never read that story personally. He healed the sick, I've read that, blind, and was able to revive the dead. Why would Jesus create birds from clay when birds already exist and blew, blows life into them when there is already a birds in existence? Unless I haven't read that in the, in the New Testament in it, so let me not be ignorant. <laughs> I've just never seen it. Because it already exists. He already created it. So why is it, what has it got to prove? Anyway, um, however, all, all these miracles were given to him as a sign of prophethood. Miracles were meant to convince those who were doubtful about Jesus being God's messenger. They were not a sign of divinity. Otherwise, all prophets who performed miracles would also be divine. Hmm. <laughs> okay. I think it's just best to move on because you know my feelings to this. Like any prophet who performed miracles, it was given to them by God. Okay. Before Jesus performed miracles as well. It's like you can read the story of like uh, the Lazarus. It's like he prayed to God. He asked for God's power. He, he was demonstrating what we ought to do. You know what I mean? Um. Anyway. I, I would just digress, but it's not to show God, to show, it's not a sign of divinity. Okay, I suppose in a way, yes, but also it is a sign of divinity because if you are able to perform miracles, it means you've got divine power working within you. There is no other explanation about it. Otherwise, you are the miracle. You are the one who's making it happen. That's sorcery. Like it's... It, you know what I mean? I don't believe I can pray over somebody or I don't believe I can lay my hands over the somebody and they just be healed through my own power. That power comes from God. That's divine power. I don't believe I can will anything of my own self to, to do anything unless it's divine power, unless I've been given divine providence. And that was the same with Jesus. And that shows divinity because... It's divine. It can't come from just normal pumping human blood. It didn't come from Moses' normal pumping human blood. It didn't come from Noah's normal pumping human blood. It didn't come from Jonah's normal pumping human blood. It didn't come from Abraham's normal pumping human blood. Every single one of these people relied on God. And so did Jesus. 
And Jesus says, I go to my father. These things that I've done, you do greater because I'm going to my father. I will be with you. Listen, let's not get it confused and let's not get it twisted. Jesus is the son of God. But as he was on earth, he got his power exactly where we get our power from God. It's a mad concept for somebody to wrap their heads around. And I think that's why it's so important for Muslims to discredit Jesus being the son of God, to to completely rewrite the story of Jesus. But I think that's a big mistake. Believing in Jesus is a requirement to being a Muslim. To be a Muslim, one must believe in all prophets and messengers. Denying or rejecting any of these those prophets is a denial of them all. Therefore, rejecting the prophethood of Jesus results in one no longer being a Muslim. It is a requirement of the Islamic faith. Yeah, I'm definitely not a Muslim. Um, Jesus foretold the coming of the prophet Muhammad. The Quran highlights that Jesus foretold the coming. If, 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 let me just not read the rest of it just yet. If the, the, the New Testament, the, the Gospels, uh, what talks about Jesus? Why would the Quran be the thing that predicts the coming of Muhammad? Why wouldn't it be the Gospels? Because they came before the Quran did. Am I making sense here? The Quran was written after the Bible was written. Why would the Quran that was written after predict the coming of Muhammad by Jesus, but not that, but but that not be written in the Gospels? Let me carry on. The Quran highlights that Jesus foretold the coming of Muhammad. And remember, Jesus, the son of Mary, said, O children of Israel, I'm the apostle of God sent to you, confirming the Torah, which came before me and giving glad tidings. of." But the, the Torah, which came before him, if he's there to confirm it, it means that he was basically the fulfillment of that. He was saying, I am he, the Messiah that the Torah talks about. I am, I am that person that you have been reading about. But I suppose they have genuinely blessed him. Um, whose name shall be Ahmad. Uh, Torah, which came before me and giving glad tidings of an apostle to come after me, whose name shall be Ahmad. But when he came to them with clear signs, they said, this is evident sorcery. Um, this is 61, I think Quran 61 verse 6. The name Ahmad and Muhammad come from the same Arabic roots and in essence are the same name. So Jesus in the Quran is basically John the Baptist in the Bible. Jesus announces a coming of a prophet Muhammad just as John the Baptist announced the coming of the savior of the world, you know, behold this the lamb of God which takes away the sin of the world. That's pretty much a similar concept. But this is confusing to me. I am not going to pretend to nobody. I am left with more questions than answers. Eight. The Quran, Jesus was not killed or crucified. The, the Quran explains that Jesus did not die. It speaks of some people in his time who claimed to have killed him. But God denies this claim and explains that it was only made to appear as though they crucified him. And for their saying, we have killed the Messiah, Jesus, the son of Mary, the messenger of God. In fact, they did not kill him, nor did they. Why is God constantly explaining himself in, in the Islam faith? 
Why is he always refuting humans? How come this faith is based on what humans thought and then God answers them? <laughs> Am I making sense? Um, but he appeared to them as if they did. Indeed, those who differ about him are in doubt about it. They have no knowledge of it except the following of assumptions. Certainly, they did not kill him. Rather, God raised him up to himself. God is mighty and is wise. Do you understand what I'm saying? Why? Again, I'm going off the basis of the Bible was written way earlier than the Quran. The Bible is the what, what we believe to be the living word of God from start to finish. God does not change his stripes his colors nothing god is god you know the old testament is the prediction of the coming messiah the new testament is that is that story of the coming messiah and the second coming of jesus to come you know for the judgment day and the like and the such right the quran is like well you know people believe this but let me just explain myself to you humans that's not actually what happened that's not what happened you may contrary to popular beliefs you think that jesus was crucified but it's not how come the quran is arguing or refuting what the Bible says. Was the Islam religion sent just to discredit the Bible? Am I making sense? But let me read you a little sign sign. Okay, let me read you a little sign sign. And we can find this in Isaiah. So let's go to Isaiah. Let's go to Isaiah. And I'm going to start from chapter 10 to, sorry, Isaiah chapter 43. And I'm going to end at verse like um, 13. It says, you are my witnesses, says the Lord, and my servants whom I have chosen. You know what? Let me just read from verse what from verse 1. But now thus says the Lord who created you, O Jacob, and Jacob being Israel as well, and who formed you, O Israel, the one and the same. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. This is Isaiah, by the way. This is prophecy of the coming Messiah. This is the prophecy of the same Jesus that they're saying, no, 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 not divine. I gave Egypt for your ransom, Ethiopia and Seba for your place. Since you were precious in my sight, you have been honored and I have loved you. Therefore, I will give men for you and for your and people for your life. Fear not, I am with you. I will bring your descendants from the east and gather them from the west. I will say to the north, give them up. And to the south, do not keep them back. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I have created for my glory, I have formed him. Yes, I have made him. Bring out the blind people who have eyes and the deaf who have ears. Oh, that is beautiful. Bring out the blind people who have eyes and the deaf who have ears. Let all nations be gathered together and let the people be assembled. Who among them can declare this and show us former things? Let them bring out their witnesses that they say may be justified or let them hear and say it is truth. You are my witnesses, says the Lord and my servants and my servant whom I have chosen that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he before me. There was no God formed. Nor that shall be after me. I even I am the Lord and besides me there is no savior. This is Jesus talking. 
I have declared and saved, I have proclaimed, and there is no foreign God among you. Therefore, and there was no foreign God among you. Therefore, you are my witnesses, says the Lord, that I am God. Indeed, before the day was, I am he. And there is no one who can deliver out my hand. I am of my hand. I work. And who will reverse it? Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. For your sake, I will send to Babylon and bring them all down as fugitive. The Chaldeans who rejoice in their sheep. I am the Lord, your Holy One, the Creator of Israel, your King. And it goes on to talking, talking, talking about, you know, um, how Jesus is a Savior and how he's the one who makes things happen. You get what I'm saying? I think words sometimes fail and you just go, you know, you, you sigh. Why would this God be refuting what humans are saying? The, the, the common belief. Why would the, the, the almighty God feel a need to answer that? It's either it is or it isn't. It's either Jesus is the son of God or he isn't. You write it and you don't go, oh, you know, contrary to popular beliefs, like you thought he was dead, but he's not. I just, you know, Jesus, God just brought him back to himself. But then why is Jesus the one who was taken back to God and Muhammad, the Islam's faith's prophet, buried? There are, there are so, and why is Muhammad the messenger of God? Right. And and Muhammad is I don't care what anybody says. Muhammad is higher than Jesus when it comes to Islam. I don't care if somebody goes, that's not true. It is. I can only go off how Islam people, Muslims behave. This is the case. But why is Jesus more renowned than Muhammad then? Why is he in heaven and Muhammad isn't? Why? Why? More questions than answers. You know what I mean? And then I've got to believe that Jesus is not divine. Hmm. Nine, Jesus will return to earth before judgment day. In continuation of the verses about Jesus' alleged crucifixion. Why is it alleged? It's either it is or it isn't. You know what I mean? The Quran explains that he will return. There is none from the people of the scripture but will believe in him before his slash her own death. And on the day of resurrection, he will be a witness against them. In several narrations, Prophet Muhammad um, explained that Jesus will return to earth and establish justice. His return to earth is considered one of the major signs of the day of judgment. I have read this, actually. And there Jesus' return to earth is pretty much the christianity's antichrist type of vibe it, it this declaring justice it, it i don't know how to describe it but let me not go too much into it without having the the solid black and white facts for me to read out but i have read this before and i was shaken to the core their jesus is not our biblical jesus with different jesus's that's why i I strongly believe we believe in different gods. For anyone who says, oh, we believe in the same God. No, we don't. <laughs> I don't think so. I disagree. Um, 
God revealed a book, this is number 10, God revealed a book called The Angel to Jesus. Muslims believe that God revealed scripture to Jesus called The Angel or the Gospel. This book confirmed what was revealed to Moses in the Torah. This scripture has not been preserved in its entirety. Therefore, God revealed the Quran as his final message to mankind. Surprise, surprise. All three of these scriptures, the Torah, Angel, and Quran, called to worship for the one and only God. I suppose this is my answer. You know, I think it's quite dangerous to go, oh, you know, we believe in the Gospels, but here we are. The Gospels aren't in its entire form. So we've got the Quran. We've got given more messages. You know, that's why we've got the Quran on top of that. And all of these now, all these three form what we believe. I think it's a little bit fragmented it's like you believe in the torah you believe in a little bit of the gospels but not in its entirety because so the essence of the whole gospel the gospel is known as the gospel of jesus christ right the essence of the whole gospels is taken away and now the quran has gone jesus did not get crucified jesus did not die jesus is not the son of god everything you thought about jesus is not the case but the torah predicts jesus from Genesis all the way to Revelation in the Bible is about Jesus. To simply put it, Islam does not believe in Jesus. They believe in their form of Jesus, in their, in their version of Jesus, but they do not believe in Jesus Christ. Right. And the Bible says, if anyone doesn't claim that Jesus is the Christ, if anyone doesn't claim that Jesus is God and the son of God, that's the Antichrist. They're Antichrist. You know what I mean? And Antichrist is them people who blaspheme, who claim certain things, you know, like, yeah, let me not go too deep into it because I'm already like pressed for time, if that makes sense. But you're. It's leaving more questions than answers, like I'm saying. And to me, anything that's confusing and not straightforward is not something that I would want to align myself with. You know what I mean? Um, so Islam on salvation. I think we've read it more more or less with uh, over and over. Like, you know, you've got to believe in the pillars of Islam, you know, for salvation. Um, um they believe that this world is going to come to an end and there will be judgment day and Allah forgives who he wants to forgive and, you know, sends to Jahana. Yeah, Jahana. Um, to those who did not believe. Um, so there, there is a lot of differences between Islam and Christianity. Um big 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 differences and i think it's very very irresponsible to say that we believe in the same god i don't think we do whatsoever okay muslims believe in death and eternal life which comes after death for leading a good life what action and qualities are desirable what impact would be in our hereafter life due to our actions and deeds in this life. We should know about the concept of heaven and hell. Muslims believe on judgment day after that Allah Almighty will decide on the basis of individuals' deeds where um, to send in Jannah or Jahannam. So they believe that there are different um, like levels of both. 
you know, basically the same concept as like spiritualism or, you know, Mormons, how they believe in the different levels of heaven and different kind of like um, paradises. They basically believe in the same thing. Like there's different levels to it. There's different levels to heaven, you know. So according to what you did, you can go to this better heaven or this, you know, really, really terrible, terrible hell. Um, but salvation doesn't belong to Jesus as we believe in salvation belonging to Jesus. Salvation belongs to Allah and Allah alone. You don't need anybody else to die for you, die for your sins and save you. You don't need an intercessor. You, there's none of that. There is just you and Allah, your good deeds and Allah. Um, so heaven in the Quran throughout our lives, we compete to believe and serve Allah Almighty so that we can gain Jannah in the hereafter. We can just imagine how paradise will look like. Only Allah Almighty knows it. Um, he describes it for us in the Holy Quran. Um, so, Allah's pleasure. The greatest reward in Jannah is the pleasure of and mercy of Allah Almighty. This great reward is for those who believe in Allah and work hard for the pleasure of Allah says Allah shall I give you glad tidings of the far better than those for the righteous are gardens in nearness in the Lord and the good pleasure of Allah for in Allah's sight all his servants for Allah's sight are all his servants this is Quran 3 verse 15 gardens the most important or convincing definition of paradise is beautiful gardens with greenery and flowing water um, it says in the Holy Quran, but give glad tidings to those who believe and work righteousness that their portion is gardens beneath which rivers flow. Quran 2 verse 25, family. In Jannah, many families will be reunited. Allah Almighty says in Holy Quran, and moreover, obeys God and the messenger whose those will be with the ones upon whom God has bestowed favor of the prophets and the steadfast affirmers of truth, the martyrs and the righteous and the excellent are those are those as companions, Quran 4, 69, food and drink. The description of heaven in Quran includes unlimited food and drink without any feelings of intoxication. In Holy Quran, Allah Almighty describes in these words, eat and drink at ease for that which you have sent forth good deeds in the days past. Quran 69 verse 9. Verse 24, eternal home. Heaven is the everlasting place to live according to Islam, where believers will stay forever in peace and happiness. Holy Quran describes the eternal home in these words. But those who have faith and work righteousness, they are companions of the garden therein, and they abide forever. Quran 2 verse 82. So the concept of hell those who are wrongdoers and disbelievers will definitely go to hell or Jahannam. We should also know about hell and what people will enter into hell. Those who do not believe, who don't believe in Allah Almighty and religion Islam will surely go to Jahannam. But also those who believe in Islam and Allah Almighty but doing bad deeds will also get punished for their actions. Allah Almighty in Holy Quran says, Our Lord surely... Our Lord, surely whom you admit to the fire indeed will have disgraced him. I will never and never will the wrongdoers find any helpers. Quran 3 verse 192. Um, so regarding hell, 
this is some of the things that I read regarding hell um, that is written in one of their books. I don't know if it's the Quran. I don't know where it is, um, but it's just giving you verses. Yes, it's in the Quran. Um, Say to those, this is Quran um, 3 verse 12, say to those who disbelieve, you shall be vanquished and driven together to hell and evil is the resting place. Um, Quran 4 verse 140, surely Allah will gather together the hypocrites and the unbelievers all in hell. Um, Quran 9 verse 68, Allah has promised the hypocritical men and the hypocritical women and the unbelievers the fire of hell to abide therein. It is enough for them and Allah has cursed them and they shall have everlasting punishment. Okay. Um, Quran 35 verse 36. And as for those who disbelieve, for them is the fire of hell. It shall not be finished with them entirely so that they should die, nor shall the chastisement therefore be lightened for them. Even thus we do, we, do we retribute every ungrateful one. Um, Quran 40 verse 60. And your Lord says, call upon me, I will answer you. Surely those who are too proud for my service shall soon enter hell. The punishment of hell. Quran 2 verse 39. And those who disbelieve and um, disbelieve in and reject my communications, they are the inmates of fire and they shall, in it they shall abide. Um, Quran 18 verse 29. Surely we have prepared for the iniquitous a fire the curtains of which shall encompass them about. And if they cry for water, they shall be given water like molten brass, with which will scold their faces, evil the drink. Quran 14, verse 16 to 17. Hell is before him, and I shall be given to drink of festering water. He will drink it little by little and will not be able to swallow it agreeably. And death will come to him from every quarter, but he shall not die. And there shall be vehement chastisement before him. Um, Quran 22, verse 19, 21 to 21. And... As, as to those who disbelieve, for them are cut out garments of fire. Boiling water shall be poured over their heads. With, with it shall be melted what is in their bellies and their skins as well. And for them are whips of iron. That's, this is scary. You get me? This is so scary. Um, in Ezekiel chapter 33 verse 11, it says... Oh, let me start from verse 10. It says, Therefore, O son of man, say to the house of Israel, Thus you say, If our transgressions and our sins lie upon us, and we pine away in them, how can we then live? Say to them, As I live, says the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked may turn from his way and live. Turn, turn from your evil ways, for why should you die, O house of Israel? Okay? And this is the judgment of God, you know. Um, God does not seek for anybody to suffer like this. The Bible's definition of, of hell is pretty much the separation of you and God forever. The Bible describes a fire. That fire will burn people, but that's it. It says this is the second death. Death will come upon people. I want you to imagine 
you are in Jana, yeah, and your family member is in Jahana because they decided that Jahannam, because they decided that they don't believe in Islam, they don't believe in it. You know, let's say that they said I'm a Christian, and you know, it turns out that Christianity wasn't the right religion, and it's just Islam that was the right religion, hypothetically. And you are hearing, you are hearing your family members, you are hearing your mom, you are hearing your kids cry out. How can Jana be enjoyable? How can you enjoy torture? How can you enjoy the torture of these people? Unless you are completely detached from it. But I know you have the idea of, I couldn't be in heaven non-awares that my mom is not in heaven with me I know exactly where she is now if this was my religion I would be thinking she is experiencing this torment day and night that would still make heaven non-enjoyable for me in the bible God shows mercy death is mercy the God says in um in exodus that God is let me just go and read it I've read this so many times when Moses says you know let me see your glory and he says no you can't I can't show you my glory for no man can see me and live but I will let my goodness pass before you and the Lord proclaimed um, his name yeah and he, the Lord descended and proclaimed the name of the Lord and he says the Lord the Lord God merciful and gracious long-suffering God is so even in our iniquity he still shows us grace he still has mercy Death is mercy. Death is grace. But in Islam, on the contrast, it's like they're going to enjoy the torment of the non-believers. To me, that's a bizarre mindset. I couldn't enjoy heaven knowing my baby, Olivia, chose not to be Muslim. And now she's in hell. We will give them water and it will be molten brass. What do you mean? That is just going to burn you. That's not water. That's sadistic. Friends, I do not believe in Islam. I do not believe that Islam is a God-given religion. I do not believe that, you know, the Quran is the word of God. I do not believe you can half believe the gospel of anything. I don't believe you can believe in the Torah that predicts the coming of the Messiah, but then disbelieve the gospel of that said Messiah and say that none of these things is true, but we believe in the Torah. We believe in Jesus. We do not believe in the same Jesus. We do not believe in the same Torah. We do not believe in the same God. The God of Islam, is a completely different God. The God of Islam is a God that created evil. The God that created evil to test you and me for our obedience and our allegiance. The God of Islam is the God that created humans higher than the angels, but we must believe in the angels and we must submit ourselves to God. And angels don't have free will, but Satan somehow has free will because he decided to obey. He's not a robot like the other angels. It's confusing. I am confused. But friends, I realized that like the person who was answering the person said, you do not have the wisdom basically to know these things. And to me, any religion that requires such brain power that I can't just say, God, give me the wisdom to understand this. It's not for me. You know, I 
would rather approach the throne of grace and seek my God and have my Jesus work for my behalf, have somebody whose heart is connected with mine, whose experiences are, he's trod the paths I'm treading. He understands what it is that I struggle with, what it is that I, I go through. And that's why when I cry out to Jesus, he comes to where I am and he helps me out. He doesn't say, first believe in this, come to me, then I will help you out. You know, that's why I believe in my God. That's why I don't believe in Islam. But I will say this, though. When I was younger, when I was in Malawi, they used to have a call to worship with um, with the Muslims. And they used to basically have a half day of school. And I basically was enticed because I didn't want to be in school all day either on a Friday. I wanted to have half day. And I'd said to my mom, I want to convert to this religion. And she was like, okay, then go for it. And I was like, well... <laughs> How do I go about that? She was just, yeah, you're gone. Then you're gone. Then you can be Muslim. You can you can convert to Islam. And I was like, great. But I didn't know how to go about it. And thank God for that. Because if it was just about the day of worship and getting a half day, when I get a whole free day on a Saturday, God has basically decreed that in this day you shall do no work, know your manservant, everything. It's the day of rest. And I'm here pining after a cheeky little half day in school. Ah, oh, sinful-mindedness, how I was. But um, Islam is not my religion. It's very chunky. It's very meaty. But to me, it's a lot of a lot of words and not much meaning, if that makes sense. Um, I think it's a lot of rituals. It's a lot of culture. It's a lot of tradition, but not much, thus says the Lord. Um, it's a lot of explaining or arguing with humans and i don't think god should ever lessen himself to argue with man i don't think anyway i think god speaks it and it happens and i don't think you should go well you you thought you thought but that's not the case i i just don't think so it, it just feels a little bit like islam speaks against christianity the, the quran talks against the bible it seems as it's a it's a it's an it's a religion of the opposition to me that's how it feels like it feels like everything the bible says believe in this the the quran and the islam faith says no 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 if you believe in that that's not what it is this is what it actually is and to me that's a bit strange considering the bible came before so it's almost as if it studied the bible looked at what the Bible was saying and it said, this is what we say instead. And I find that interesting because then you don't believe in the Torah. You don't believe in the gospels. You believe in your own belief systems, you know, but to sprinkle, sprinkle a little bit of confusion, you have brought in the other beliefs of Christianity and made them their own. But then again, when we look at the other religions of spiritualism and all this, you've got the different degrees of heaven and different degrees of hell. To me, that's also not biblical. You're either righteous or you're not. You're either holy or you're not. You're either saved or you're not. You're either going to heaven or you're going to hell, right? Heaven is eternal death. Hell is eternal. I'm sorry. Heaven is eternal life and hell is eternal death. It's just one or the other. 
you can definitely be tempted. And there is somebody responsible for tempting you. There is somebody responsible for evil. But as the Bible says, sin lies at the door and its desires for you, but you must overcome it. Which means, yes, as the Muslims say, we do have a choice. We have the free will. We have the choice to, 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 to resist temptation. Without Jesus, you stand zero to no chance. <laughs> Basically the same thing. You stand little to no chance. Actually, you stand no chance, period. That's why in Ephesians chapter 6, it says, put on the whole armor of God so you can stand the wiles of the evil one. Put on the whole armor of God and the whole armor of God is Jesus. Put on Christ. Put on Christ. Your only hope is in Christ. Your hope is not in yourself. And if you have hope in yourself, I am sorry, you are dead. Put your hope in Christ. Put on the armor of Christ. Okay? So anyway, friends, that was a bit of a long one. Like, and I don't think I even covered everything that I wanted to cover. Everything that this, this religion um, believes in. It's a lot. It really is a lot. However, right, let me leave us with this. Therefore, you are my witnesses, says the Lord, that I am God. Wah, wah, wah. I'm sorry the episode is over, but please tune in next week for another exciting journey. Goodbye, goodbye, bye, bye, bye. Have good vibes. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.